Okay, good evening. Uh, we're continuing the series of Pirkei Avot. Today it's number 15. I believe we're going to have uh, today and probably one more time and we'll finish the whole series because uh, we are in chapter 6, uh, somewhere in the middle. So that should be, we should be able to finish it. Uh, if you remember last week, the last Mishnah we did was the fifth Mishnah the 48 conditions to become a Talmid Chacham with Torah knowledge. You need 48 conditions, and we name all of them, all 48. And the last one in the 48 was the, that a person has to live with the suffering, with the Isurim, accept it with love, not to complain, and to know that it's only building him. You know, many people complain, they're not getting anywhere. They get the Isurim anyway. They don't accept it with love, so it doesn't build them in any way. So today we're continuing. I'm starting Mishnah Vav, the sixth Mishnah. Amakir et Mekomo, a person that recognizes real value. Today, some people have no knowledge, no skills, probably not even a talent, but they feel like they're on top of the world, maybe because they have a little money, Maybe because they put them on the news here and there, or they, they know how to play basketball or anything silly. So they feel that they are important people. But the value of a person doesn't is not getting evaluated by how much money he has, or what kind of car he drives, or, or how good he is in sport. All these things is real complete nonsense. Nobody gives you points for your achievement as far as how fancy your life is. The only way to evaluate a person is two things, his, no, his knowledge in Torah and his personality, his traits. Are they corrected or they are corrupted? That's all. That's the value of a person. You put a person and you want to evaluate him, like you, ch- you measure a battery, it tells you 80%, 60%, right? It tells you how much power this battery has. If, you, if there was a way to connect a special uh, uh, tester to test the person, it would show you, Torah, pass, you're in a red zone, you're in a green zone, you know, passed or failed, or in personality. Sometimes a person has good traits, he worked on himself, he corrected his personality, but he doesn't have enough Torah. Sometimes he knows Torah, but he doesn't focus on correcting his personality. He needs both. In order for you to be Talmid Chacham and a Tzaddik, you need to focus on those two things. And that's your value in life. That's how Hashem evaluates you. And if you remember in one of the lectures I said that sometimes a person died, it's equal like a thousand or like a hundred, depends. Because it doesn't go, oh, this person has money like a hundred other Jews, so let's kill him instead of them. It doesn't work that way. When Hashem evaluates a person, if a tragedy is supposed to come to the Jewish nation, and that's the decision. So instead of killing a thousand people, it takes one person like this, with lots of Torah, with great skills. He takes him away, he's evaluated like a thousand others. So it's really a tragedy. It's like a thousand died. So no, people don't cry as much when one individual died as was opposed to a thousand, right? If one thousand will die in a tragedy, people will be shocked for years. One, you know, they cry a week, two, and they go move on with your life, with their life, because people go by quantity. But the truth is, is the quality, not the quantity. And that's what it says in Shira Shirim, Dodi arad Hashem comes 
to the world and he picked up the roses. He picks up the roses because uh, there's a lot of thorns, lots of garbage out there. But here and there you have a rose. So he takes one rose. Well, obviously a rose worth like lots of thorns, right? They, they don't have that much of a value. And that's the idea of somebody who recognizes his place. Well, I know who I am. I know Torah or it's all a show off. I have a good character or only from the outside I pretend. A person knows. He knows he's a faker or not. Or even if he's not a faker, even if, if, if he's an honest person, he's not faking. This is the way I am. You know, some people don't even know how to fake. They're so straight. They don't know. They come to the day, they speak a lot of nonsense. They don't know how to hide their uh, weaknesses and problems. This is the way, this is what you get. Some people are experts of cheating and deceiving and pretending and opening the door and sending flowers to the parents, all this show off. I always tell my students, the first three dates, whatever you see, forget. Don't record anything. It's like demo. <laughs> then after that, the truth will begin to come out. Will begin, not completely. Because the first three weeks, a person is on a stage and he's putting a show. After already three days that they already feel connected and they see that it's going to a serious relationship, they open up and they feel more comfortable. He thinks she's in my pocket already. And she thinks, I got this guy real good. You know, he's in my, he's in my pocket. So the truth starts to come out from then you have to check the person. It's the beginning, it's all a show off. So I'm saying even a person is not showing off, but he knows his real value, he knows. And he's honest about it. So this is a good skill to know your real value, not to think you're more than what you are. So that's one thing. No. Uh, second thing, Asameach Bechelko. Always satisfied with what Hashem gave him. Rich is happy. Poor is also happy. Rich and poor, rich and poor. Some people have a lot of up and down. Doesn't matter. You see him the same way. When he's rich, he's happy. When he's poor, he's happy. When he has a nice clothes, he's happy. Doesn't have any clothes, he's happy. He's happy because this is the way Hashem wants me, and I got to get the best out of it. Still, walking depressed and thinking and worry doesn't get me anywhere. I'll say siyag ledvarav. What does it mean, Osesiyag Nidvarav? He puts a fence around his mouth. We, are, we already have two fences around the mouth, right? We have the teeth and we have the lips, which sealing the mouth. A person has to be very careful. Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai told Hashem, uh, why didn't you make us one mouth? You should have made us another mouth, two mouths, one for Torah and one for everyday talking. So Hashem told Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, you cannot keep your, not you, the people cannot keep their mouth. One day they cannot keep their mouth. You want to have two mouths, they're going to start fighting with themselves. Two mouths. <laughs> so it's very interesting because everything in the face we have doubled. We have two ears, two eyes, two nostrils to breathe, one mouth. It's a hint. With the mouth you be careful. You can kill with the mouth. It's like uh, sending a missile. You know, the mouth can cause more damage than, than stabbing a person with a knife. Why? Stabbing a person with a knife, you kill his body. So he took away 20 years of his life. Speaking about him, speaking Lashonara, you can lose your eternity. It can cause such a damage. That's why the Torah say, with the mouth, take it easy. Okay, so uh, he's 
is making siyag la Torah, he's watching very good, and siyag le dvarav, the what comes out of his mouth. Eno machzik tova la atzmo. No matter how much Torah he learns, and how much chesed he does to other, giving tzedakah, helping people, uh, finding job for, for his friends, you know, doing a lot of great things, helping the synagogue where he, where he prays. He never feels that somebody owe him. He feels that that's my obligation. I don't understand. Why do I deserve a credit? If I breathe, I deserve credit for that. I need to breathe, no? So if I give tzedakah, I deserve credit for that. This is the right way to think. Who am I? What? Hashem gives me money and I'm doing him a favor, take 10% of it and give it out? What credit do I deserve? Just think, if I wouldn't do it, I'm a low life. What? Somebody gives you 100% and he asks you to give 10% to, to this guy or to that guy. And you're playing games with him. I would give, I would not give. What kind of a person you are? So the biggest ungrateful. So that's the idea. The idea, what should I be? What should I feel like a big shot? Or if you know a lot of Torah and you teach others, what do you have to feel great about it? It's your obligation in life. What? For the only, that's the only reason Hashem puts you here. That's the only reason He gives you money and a, and a car to drive and food to eat and a blanket to have. You know, all these things that He gives you was only for that. So you want to take everything and do nothing? Imagine you find a job. Tell you we want you to work on the computers 10 hours a day and, and create for us new software. You know, they give you a guideline. This is what we want. Every week, a new program. And you see it, you smoke your cigar, you do nothing. They kick you out of there. Who needs you here, Bechlal? Even if your father is the prime minister, they'll kick you out. They don't need you here. So the idea is, whatever I do, it's not enough. So I shouldn't feel myself that anybody owes me or anything like this. This is a very good thing. Ahuv, oevet amakom. What does it mean, ahuv? Ahuv, it's like this. Everywhere you go, people love him. He has no enemies. Everywhere you go. Why? Everybody knows this person is honest, is decent. He never caused any harm to anyone. He's not angry. He's polite. He's smiling. He always says hello. He doesn't have any show on him. You know, he never, he never fights with his wife when they go to public. The opposite is a real gentleman. Everybody needs a loan from him. He comes, he tries to help. So, in other words, there's nothing bad to find about him. You see, if people speak Lashonara about us, maybe, maybe they exaggerate, maybe they make up stories, but if we didn't deserve something, it wouldn't start. The, the, Chazal said there's no, there's no uh, smoke without fire. If somebody speaks about you, you're guilty of something. Even if he made it up, even if he made up a whole story about you, you're completely innocent about what he said. But the fact that he speaks about you, that means you're not perfect. Because perfect people, nobody speaks about them. I know a few nice people. I was just in Arizona. I came this morning from uh, Phoenix. And there's one guy over there. Everybody loves him. I liked him right away as soon as I met him, first time when I was there. I liked him very much. Because this is an exact exactly like Avraham Avinu of the Torah, exactly. All he does is for others. Who needs? Who, tell me who needs? Right away he runs to help. The shul needs? Right away he runs to help. He gives respect. He's a person that when I come to the airport, he gives so much respect. First of all, he's waiting there way before. And then you have the suitcase with the wheels. 
you don't even feel you carrying it. The wheels carry it. You just pull it. It's not heavy. It doesn't even let me go two steps without taking it from my hand. I said, no, it's okay. I can walk with this. It's nothing. No, no, no. God forbid. God forbid. Like, ooh. And then, you know, like last night, going back to the airport, right from the lecture to the airport, we already have two young guys taking me. No, I have to come to the airport. I said, no, stay. They serve nice food, beautiful food, catering there after the lecture. Stay, eat, be with your wife and the children. No, no, no. He left the plate right away, runs into the car. Perfect person. Perfect person. No, to everyone, to everyone, not to me. To everyone like this. And everybody there in a community, you hear, Lashonara here, Lashonara there, Lashonara everywhere. But about him, unanimously, every person who his name is, oh, what a great guy. What a nice guy. Right away. This is called Ahuv. Why? You're perfect. So then nobody has one word to say about you. Nothing. Ahuv. Then, Ohevet Amakom. Loves Hashem. He loves Hashem, thanks to his love to Hashem, so he's busy with the Torah. And Hashem reveals his secrets to him with life. He gives him bonuses that other people don't get. Then, he loves every person, even if they're not perfect. To love perfect people is very easy. <laughs> Your soul wants to be like him, so you love him. That's why everyone loves the baby, because they don't have any sins yet. They don't have sins yet. So right away, everyone see a baby. Everywhere we go, you go with the bank, right away, everyone smile to him. We go to the store, everyone smile to the baby. Why is it? Because your soul hoped to be like him. Clean, no sins, everything perfect. He didn't have sins yet. So here, however, uh, the idea is not only to love who is perfect, to love every person. And when a person makes a sin, even if you hate what he did, the idea is to remember to hate the sin, not to hate him. And that's why Chazal gave us a, an explanation how, how does it work? Like, if you see a person made a horrible sin, so right away you don't want to do anything to do with him. You don't want to be near him. You don't want to bring him anywhere near you, which makes sense. But you have to remember that for you it's a very bad sin, very bad sin, because if you had this opportunity, you wouldn't even consider to make such a sin. So for you, it would be easy not to make that sin. But for his test in life, very difficult to pass the test. Like I see by the kids. One kid always has tzitzit. When he sleeps, even when he doesn't need tzitzit, at night he puts tzitzit. Well, it's not, it's not difficult for him. Then the other boy, all day it's a struggle. It's killing me. I don't like it. It's too hard. It's too small on me. I need a bigger size. All the excuses. All day it's like, like you have to be a detective. Where is your tzitzit? Where is it? You obviously see that for him is a million times harder. So the time that he puts it, he gets so much more reward than the other boy that for him it's like another T-shirt. Anyway, I wear a T-shirt, so that's the big deal. Same thing in life. Some people, it's very difficult for them to put a kippah. It's the embarrassed. They always think what people think about me at work, in the airport, you know, or people that knows me when the day that I didn't have a keeper, now I show up with a keeper after five years, they see me, what they're going to think. And some people, as soon as they become religious, not only keeper, he's two weeks religious, he kept two Shabbatot, he already have a beer like the Ben Ishchai. <laughs> Big peot, 
like a zombie, everywhere we go, with this big hat. Well, he doesn't know how to read Rashi, already he looks like a rabbi. Obviously, you see that this person doesn't care what people think about him. He doesn't care. People like this usually don't care about anything, what people think about what they wear, how big is their belly, they don't care about this thing. Why do I care what they think about me? Some people care about every little thing. What is the, like, you know, is if he goes to, on Shabbat to a place that is modern people, he's thinking a million times, should I dress like them or should I dress like the way I am? Why? Because he's always thinking what people say about me. You can't compare them to him because there's two different difficulties. So, he loves, however, the briot. He loves, briot comes from the word briyad, that Hashem created them. One way to show that you love people is always to be busy to bring them close to the Torah. Kiruv. That's what we call Kiruv. Mekarvam la Torah. Kiruv comes from the word Mekarev. Mekarev means bring closer. Bring closer to Hashem. So, the explanation to Evet Abriot is not giving them kisses or invite them to a pool party. That's not Evet Abriot. That's love himself. He's looking for entertainment. Huh? But Evet Abriot means if you really love uh, all the people around you, you're always busy. How do I bring them closer to Hashem and save their soul for eternity? Okay, so this is another recommendation here in the Mishnah. Then, Oevet HaTzdakot, not only give tzdakot, enjoy to give tzdakot. He already trained himself, when is my next tzdaka going to be? When is the next poor guy will knock on my door that I can help? Or if one or two days people did not knock on his door, he's looking, where, where can I give money? Where can I give money? I told you the story about, uh, about uh, Pupe, the Pupe, the Rebbe from Pupe, the Hasidim, that uh, they needed money to build, to open cheder, yeshiva. So they need, uh, they need about $36,000, so they invited 36 rich Hasidim, that they all like the Rebbe, and they said it's like a tea party. Everyone will give $1,000 for participating in this tea party. So, when they started to say, Ruven, a thousand, Shimon, a thousand, Levi, a thousand, everyone a thousand, they got one guy, he says, two hundred. And he is the richest guy in the whole room, and he loves the Rebbe the most, and the Rebbe is very close to him. So you would expect from him, minimum a thousand, maybe even more, two hundred. So the Gabai asked him, two hundred, you couldn't, you couldn't hold these words. He said, from you we expect more. So he said, well, why? I don't have any boys. I only have girls. They're not going to go to this yeshiva. So for me, this two hundred that I'm giving is pure tzedakah. For them, they have an interest. They need a place. Otherwise, where are their kids going to learn? They must give. They don't have a choice. For me, I don't have boys. So the Rebbe told him, the opposite, Adraba. Now you give money to the Talmud Torah of the boys, what do you think Hashem's going to do? We'll give you a boy, ma. Not everything is about what I benefit from it. The entire nation of Israel benefits from it, even if your stomach doesn't benefit from it. But other Jews benefit. It's the same thing. So he said, Rabbi, you think Hashem will give me a boy? If you give me a bracha now, and Hashem will give me, a, give me a boy, of course I'll give. 
So the rabbi said, listen, I'm not Hashem. I can only pray for you and ask for Hashem to give you. It may help. He so, okay, give me a bracha. I gave him a very serious bracha. Everyone say amen. So he said 10,000. He gave 10,000. Okay, so he gave $10,000. Nine months exactly from that tea party, he had a boy. That's the beginning of the story. Exactly nine months, everybody speaking, wow, look at how holy is this Rebbe. Gave him a bracha, exactly nine months. Nine months later, he had a boy. Psh. Now, they want to do a Brit. Who, wants, who does he want to be the Sandak? The Rebbe. But there was in the summer when everyone is in the mountains. From Williamsburg in Brooklyn to the mountains, it's almost three hours to get there. So he said to his wife, no choice, we have to take the baby and go to the mountains because the Rebbe is over there and I want him to be the Sandak. So the wife, you know, what can she do? So they went there. So now this guy has a brother, not only doesn't have uh, boys, he doesn't have kids at all. Not even girls, nothing. Nothing at all for years. So he comes to the Rebbe, he says, Rebbe, you did a very good deal with my brother. Look, he had a, he had a boy. Why, why don't I give you a check, six digits, I give you a blank check, you fill up any amount you want, up to six digits. Like a million dollars. Just take it and... and Make a zerai, a decree that I'm going to have a kid. So the Rebbe told him, it's not so simple, you know. So he said, why? You did it with my brother. He said, with your brother, it was an emergency situation. We needed a Talmud Torah. It was a matter of life and death. And I needed his money that day. And Hashem wanted it to happen. For Hashem, it was worth it to give him a boy, even though he didn't want to give him a boy, to change his plan for the Talmud Torah. But with you... There's no emergency cause right now. So, you know, I can always use the money for good things, but there's not specific emergency. So he told the Rebbe, okay, Rebbe, I'm sure you're going to have some one day a cause that you're going to need money for an emergency thing. Please, here I write my number, he gives it to the Gabai, to the assistant. Whenever you have an opportunity, you call me right away first, and I come and we'll make the deal. Six months later, they decided to open their own city. Like the Hasidim have in New Square, they have their own city. New New Square, it's all Hasidim of New Square. That's a beautiful place. They all live like one huge family. With a Rebbe in a big, huge, fancy building, 10,000 Hasidim diving in the same shul. Amazing. So, uh, the Rebbe decided to open this town, but the problem is, you need millions of dollars for that. It's not so simple. So the Gabbai said, oh, Rebbe! We have the money, what do you worry about? Now this guy that doesn't have kids is a lot richer than his brother. He's the richest guy. They call him up, are you still interested to do the deal? So sure, come quick to the Rav. He come, he give a check, blank check, he say, Rav, you fill out any amount you need, just make a decree that I'm going to have a kid. So the Rabbi told him, I can only promise to pray for you, no guarantee, it's in the hands of Hashem, I'll do my best, so he said, okay. So he t- gives him the blank check. So the rabbi writes, $180. So the poor guy, the, the rich guy, is thinking to himself, probably he sees that I have a decree on me that I'll never have kids. Why he behaves like this? I'm giving him a blank check. He can write $5 million. He writes $180. He got nervous. So the rabbi, you see something you're not telling me? He said, no, 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 no. Don't worry, you did your mitzvah. 
So he said, no, 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 that's not a mitzvah. He took up another check, he wrote, he signed on it, he said, here, take this check, write any amount you want, up to $10 million, any amount you want, and pray for me that I have a kid. And he left. Three, four months later, no kids. His wife, still very skinny. He comes to the Rebbe, says, Rebbe, didn't we make a deal? The Rebbe said, did I promise something? I told you I'll do my best. Believe me, I pray for you every day. I didn't forget you for a second. But we need Hashem to agree. So, okay, okay. Say that I'm just checking. Two months later, the Rebbe passed away. This guy have no kids. Passed away. No. Nine months after he passed away, nine months exactly from the day of the funeral, that guy had a kid. So all the Hasidim started to say, see, what the Rebbe couldn't do from here when he went to the court of heaven, he got it from Hashem. So now everybody's talking in town about this miracle. Nine months from his death, he got a kid. So the son of the Rebbe brought his will. He said, now it's the time to read to you the will of my father. They read in a will. This is it. He says, my father said, from the day I pass away, you have to check when this person will have a kid. The day that you will find out that he has a kid, I allow you to deposit the check. He never deposited that blank check. I was ready in a drawer. He said, you expecting me to bring you a boy, right? If I take the money and in the end Hashem doesn't agree, then I'm a thief. Not like all the babo today. They know that their blessing is worth like a toilet paper. But they still take the money. And they threaten you, and they threaten you, and they call you. Hey, you promised that you give us your house. And the innocent poor people, they're afraid of them. Hey, you want your daughter to have kids? Half a million dollars, it has to be up front. Without it, the bracha is not going to work. It used to be kosher people. I don't want the money unless if I perform. Even though he told him, anyway, it's not for me. I'm only praying for you. Hashem, see what you do. You're not doing it for me. You're doing it for yourself. But still, he didn't feel comfortable using the check until the day he had kids. This is to give you an idea. So... Oevet Atzdakot means run. Like this rich guy, when he wanted a kid, he was running. Call me first. Call me first. Why? When you know that the power of this Zaka, call me first. No, fine. Next thing, Oevet Atochechot. This is very hard to find. You find sometimes people who like to give Zaka. Yes, you find. You find people who love people. Yes. You find people who love Hashem. Yes. You find people that feel, who am I, zero, I'm nothing, I'm a low life, and they really believe it, you find. You find people who sameach bechelko, hardly. Hardly. But you find here and there. But someone who likes the tochachot, maybe one out of a million you find. Maybe. So if there are 13 million Jews, maybe there's a million and a half of people who like the tochachot. What's tochachot is? Tochachot means... Somebody comes to you on the side and says, you know, you're a big liar. Everything you say, it's a lie. I, you and I know that you're lying. Why don't you stop? It's against the Torah. Somebody that gets such a criticism usually hates the person who tells it to him. Don't push your nose out of my, into my life. 
stay away, why are you telling me what to do, who do you think you are? This is the reaction of the people. So the Torah says, when you have a friend that always compliments you, and a friend who always criticizes you, for real, not because he's jealous, because you see, you're, doing, you're making scenes. Who you should make your friend and love very much and appreciate? The one who gives you compliments, or the one who smash you and butcher you from morning to night? Who? Who is going to bring you to Olam Abba, Chazal say? The one who tells you, look at you, loser, you're stingy, you're not keeping Shabbos, look at how you dress, look at this, look at your haircut, look at, you know, how you behave to your wife, whatever the case is. Somebody like this, there's a chance he will improve you. The other one who tells you, you're great, you're great, not only doesn't improve you, he makes you worse than what you are. Because in your mind, you begin to convince, look, he tells me that I'm generous. He gives a dollar fifty a month daka, and his friends say, Oh, so generous, you know, very nice of you. You begin to think, Oh, I'm really generous. So he makes him more wicked. You know, oh, you dress very nice. Who say you have to dress like this? No, you're good. That shows that nobody tells you what to do. You, you know, you have your own opinion. So this is it. Oevet atochachot. When somebody tells him this must be changed, he says, oh, thank you for telling me. Sometimes you tell people in the shul, you know, you don't put your feeling right. They fall on the forehead. You see that he's, he's doing all the mitzvah and he gets nothing. It doesn't count. So you, sometimes you come to somebody and say, you know, that feeling has to be here. There's two kinds of people. Some of them make your face like, get out of here, who are you? They don't know who you are, but still, a Jew comes to another Jew and says, you know, that feeling is supposed to be here, not here. And some of them say, oh, thank you, thank you. Oh, yeah, really? Thank you. Right away, you see, humbled, proud. Right away. Oev et ha-mesharim. Oev et ha-mesharim. He likes honesty. Appreciate honesty. If he has two kids, one lying all the time because he doesn't want to get punished, and one always say the truth. Even though he gets the punishment, he still say the truth. He appreciates the one who says the truth more than the one who lies all the time. In general, in life, he always sticks to the truth. No matter what, he doesn't lie. Even if his friends comes to him for a loan, he knows he doesn't want to give him a loan because he won't return it. Already have a record of not returning, or he doesn't have a job already for a year. I'm going to give him money, for sure the money is gone. And I'm not in a position to give him so much money like he wants. So there's two ways to say. One way is to say, I don't have and it's a lie. And one way to get out of it without lying. So people that don't care about lies, right away they don't think twice. I don't have. I don't have. People who care not to lie, they always break their head. What should I say that it won't be a lie? You know? So it's very interesting. So Rabbi Yudah Hasid wrote in his book, Sefer Hasidim, that even to a goy, it's not so simple to lie. Even a goy come, it's not so simple to lie to him. If he wants a loan, to say, I don't have. You gotta find a way how to get out of it. So the idea is, the Torah says, Make sure you stay away from lies. And not only stay away from lies, that you speak the truth always, even in your heart, not only in your mouth. You already adjust your heart to follow the truth automatically. And whatever, like for instance, if somebody say, oh, I heard you, you finished the whole Masechet, and you didn't finish, 
you can be silent. I didn't lie. He thought that I finished all Masechet. I told him that. I didn't tell him that. Let him think that I'm more than what I am. What's my problem? Can only help, no? So right away he said, no, no, I didn't finish. I didn't even finish half. Oh, we heard that you and you and you. No, 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 it wasn't me. It was this guy. That's called always searching for the truth. Okay, no. So, Oevet HaMesharin, Mitrachek min HaKavod, ran away from every kind of honoring. They want to invite him to the dinner. Uh, we, we, you know, we're honoring you for the dinner of the school. We're going to put you on a, on a board. None of this, no, no, please, take the money, don't put me, don't call me, nothing. Or anything like this. Or sometimes people give tzedakah, they expect to get a gift. Because it's very common today. Uh, you give a tzedakah to some organization, they send you a gift, a tehillim book, uh, you know, all kinds of things. The idea is not to take anything. I didn't give it for the gifts. Or even when they do fundraising, auctioning, selling bottles of wine, candles, I don't want this. I believe in your cause. I want to give you the money. I don't want gifts. Yes. What about the receipt for like, tax purposes? Is that a gift? That's, that's also take away a lot from the mitzvah. Because if people think, well, anyway, when I give tzedakah, if I wouldn't give it, half of it will go to the IRS anyway, no? So like this, if I give $1,000, it's really like I'm giving 500 Why? Because I use it for tax purposes. So really, in, the, in reality, they only get 500 What? There's only one difference. There's only one difference. I once explained that when Hashem gives reward, there's different categories of reward. One category is the effort. You give $1,000, if you wouldn't give it, 500 of it is gone to the government anyway, or 400, whatever it is. So really now, how much you really get from your pocket? 500. You didn't really give 1000 because 500 is gone anyway. Your boss deducted from your salary and give it. So, you really, how much efforts you gave? 500. But the good news is that also Hashem pays you for what came out of your mitzvah. Now, for instance, with 500, you make 500 CDs. With 1,000, you make 1,000 CDs, double of the amount, which makes the chances that more Jews become religious approximately double. So, even though it's money that was gone, it was gone. Now he went to the right hand, and a Jew became religious from the extra $500 that was supposed to go to the government. You get the reward, not the government. You understand the difference? So obviously it's very good. But the idea is, I know people that I say, what, you need a receipt for this? He said, no, no, forget about this. I'm not giving it for that. But they can really benefit from it, because they pay X amount of tax. They can say, hey... Some people, anyway, all their money is cash, so they're not worried about the government and things, because anyway, they pay hardly nothing. But some people really get paid by check, and they use it. They show in the end of the year how many checks I wrote. So for them, they're also thinking about different reasons. It's not 100% pure. The idea is I'm doing it L'Shem Shamayim, not for any gift, for any discount, that they put me in a better place in a shul. The people, some people, like they want to honor them, like because they help to build the shul, so they want to write their name on the shul. Some people, they give a thousand dollars, they want their name in big letters outside to the street. Some people give millions, they don't want. They say, no, 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 don't put my name, don't, I don't want any of that. Or they say, oh, you're going to be, your chair's going to be on a stage next to the rabbi. They say, no, no, I don't want. 
this is the right way. Or when they, the Zohar say that if a person donates and writes his name, like they do in Shulzir, this parochet is donation of this family for the memory of their father, such and such. It takes away a lot from, from the reward. Why? Because every person who reads it is respecting them more than before. Right? Let's see. I know him every day. I say hello, hello, hello. If somebody comes and says, you know who this guy is? He built up that yeshiva and gave all the money. Of course I like him a lot more now. What's the question? Uh, now, tomorrow I'm gonna, he's going to need help. I have much more incentive to run to help him. Oh, this is a guy who helped a lot to the Torah. I must help him. Somebody you, you don't hardly know. No, you want to help him, but there's a limit to how much you want to help. So right away they benefit from writing their names on a sidurim or on a parochet or in the chandeliers that they donate. They write their name, they benefit. So whatever their benefits, Hashem deducts from the, re- the eternal reward. That's why the Zohar says it's better never to write. Same thing on a CD. Some people want to do Leilu Nishmat. You don't need to write. You just say in your mouth, I'm doing it for the memory of my grandfather, Ploni Ben Ploni, finish. Hashem knows. He doesn't need you to write. He remembers, don't worry. Even a million years later, he still remembers that you did it for that cause. Okay, then next. So we say, Mitrachek Meakavod. One guy comes to the rabbi and says, Rabbi, you know, I always run away from the honor. Run away. Didn't Chazal say that if you run away from pride and honor, the honor will run after you? One way or the other, you get it? I'm running from, away from it. 20 years, and it never came to me. So the rabbi told him, yeah, sure, you know how you run? You run away from it, and every minute you look around. No, where are you? (laughs) Running away means really running away, not running away hoping you come. You know? Lo megis libo betalmudo. Lo megis libo betalmudo. What does it mean, lo megis libo betalmudo? The more Torah he knows, he becomes more humble, not more proud. Like he feels like I'm a big shot. Look, I know better than anyone. No, it doesn't ever affect him to that way. He still feels I'm the lowest of all the Chachamim. He's not feeling lucky that people respect him because he became an important rabbi. The opposite is worry. My, maybe I'll answer the wrong answer. Maybe I'll make a Jew make a sin because of my answer. Maybe I won't do enough for them. Maybe Hashem expects me to do much more. So he's always under stress, under pressure. Who needs this? Didn't Chazal say run away from it? Same thing uh, being a judge or being a doctor. Being a doctor is great because you save life, but you can also kill people. So on that part, the negative, that mistake that you do can kill a person, or he becomes sick for the rest of his life because you didn't give him the right treatment in the first day, should make people consider a thousand times they want to become doctors. Not to talk about a judge in a secular court. First of all, all the laws are crooked. Uh, i give you an example, speaking about crooked laws. Something happened in Israel today, I couldn't believe it. I mean, I, I know things like this happen, but when you read it, no matter how many times you heard about stories like this, you still get the shock of your life. What did they announce today on the news in Israel? One guy, an immigrant from France, a Jew that came from France to Israel. He met an Israeli woman. They got married. They married for four years. 
He was sitting in a place, doctor's office, some place, and they have magazines over there. You know, sometimes people, they bought, so they look in their magazines. And he sees prostitute service up to your door. You call, they send you a prostitute to make sins to the house. And you see pictures. They show pictures. You just have to choose a number. You call, and they tell you how much it costs. Who does it see? His wife. His wife, during the day, she's working in this place. So he went home. First, you know, he thought to himself, maybe they just took pictures and they put it, but it's not the real ones. I have to first confirm. So he called up, he changed his voice, he wanted that number, and she started to talk. He hears his wife on the phone. So right away he went to that place, he broke in in front of all the other pastors, he started to beat her up, real punching her, whatever the case was. Now <laughs> he's in jail. <laughs> now he's in jail. They're suing him, whatever it's going to be, he's going to go to jail for beating her up. That's what caused when you don't have Torah. A woman like this, according to the Torah, must be burned to death with no mercy. No rights. She lost her ktuba. She lost her children. They have to put her in front of everyone to know what a low-life woman, that this is what she does. Now the husband that gave her a smack or two is going to jail for a few years. They don't know yet. So the people who write comments, you know in the news how it is. People write comments. So one guy wrote, not religious guy. He said, I'm so disgusted from the court here. These left liberal Jews, they're destroying us completely. This is an example of what liberal Judaism brought to us. That the real victim that got the shock of his life and trauma for the rest of his life, he is the criminal. And she got away with no punishment, nothing whatsoever. Understand what's going on? Don't think in the United States is anything better. A woman like this, she still get the kids. Like, I go to court, the judge will give. And who's going to be the judge? A Jew. Who do you think it's going to be? You know? And that's what's going on here. So, to be a judge is really very foolish. Why people want to be judge? For the honor. You have to know, in Israel, you have to be a lawyer first. And a real serious lawyer, and then your chance to become a judge. But the lawyers make a hundred times more money than a judge. A judge make six, seven thousand dollars a month. If you have your own firm in Israel, you, you can make a hundred thousand dollars net a month. If you're a criminal lawyer and this, you know how much money they make? Just like here. Why would you give up so much money to go and sit in court all day and be a judge and give up so much money for the honor? Honor in your life, attention, people bowing down to you, People think ten times how they refer to you. It's more important to you than money. That's why you're willing to give so much money for the honor. That's why people donate money to the hospital. You think they care anything about the sick people who are going to die there? Nothing. They only give it with condition that they call the hospital the new section after their name. As soon as the hospital said there's a problem, we cannot write your name on a building, right away they cancel the donation. They're not giving it. There was a case like this in Muncie. There's Yeshiva Bet David in Muncie, one of the high school for kids. So they needed money when they opened it up, a lot of money to build the whole building. And one Jew, secular Jew that married to a Goya, offered all the money in one shot, in condition that they name it after his name or after his father's name, whatever. 
So they came to Rav Yaakov Kaminetsky and they said, look, there's two ways now to build the yeshiva. Take the money, tomorrow morning we start building, in a month we have the yeshiva ready. Or years to run, collect, build another class, collect, build another, you know, one way or the other. So he said, first of all, there's nothing even to talk about putting his name on a building. It's not, it's not Kiddush Hashem, that's big Chilul Hashem. That's, that's a big sin. So right away, that's, that's not even a question. So right away they call him up, they say, the rabbi said, it's not even a question, you know, you marry a non-Jewish woman, we cannot put your name on a building in the most religious city in the world, you know. So he understood. So he said, okay, no problem, I understand that, I'll still give you the money. Now it's already a big difference. So they say, okay, rabbi still wants to give the money. What should we do? He wants to relax his conscience. He lives with Goya, he has Goyim kids, he thought... Maybe it will help me instead of getting 500 years in hell, it will only be 490 years in hell. <laughs> Thinking, you know. So the rabbi say, okay, now I cannot tell you that you're not allowed to take the money from him. But I, th- I still think that it's Chilul Hashem to take the money from him. And if you have emunah in Hashem, you tell them, no, thank you, we appreciate your contribution. We can't take the money away from you. You rebelled against Hashem. You married a non-Jewish woman. It's one of the worst sins in the Torah, if not the worst one. According to the Zohar, it's the worst one. We cannot take your money, your money from you. And Hashem will send you the money. So they called him up. They said, we don't take the money. Imagine if you want to build a building today, it's like $10 million. Somebody gives you all the money. It's a big test. And he said, we don't take the money from you. A month later, they got the money from different sources and built the yeshiva, and this is the best yeshiva in Monsi today. This is the test. Big test. You know, some rabbis, like the Babasal, used to look at the $100 bill and put one here, one here, one here. He was looking at the money and said, this money I want for the yeshiva, this money for the bathroom. This money for the yeshiva, this money for the bathroom. What does it mean for the bathroom? To, to buy bleach, to clean the bathrooms, to play, pay the Arab woman that watch the, 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 the yeshiva, you know, the map, the floor. For that, I can take this money. But for the Torah, I check very good, you know, he's Ruach HaKodesh. He can look at the money and see if it's kosher money or not. Kosher money or not. Anyway, so we're continuing. No Sameach Bora is not running after becoming, a, why I say that to be a judge is foolish. Because one mistake you do, you send a Jew to jail, and according to the Torah, is innocent, you have to pay for every minute that he's in jail. What do you think? You send him seven years to prison, you destroyed his house, his house is broken, his kids went on the way. So you're going to come to Hashem and say, well, what do you want from me? That's the law of the state of Israel. I didn't have a choice. If I wouldn't give him that punishment, they'll fire me. So Hashem say, your problem, not mine. Who put you there to begin with? Don't you know that as soon as you become a judge in a secular court, you cannot be a part of the minyan? You have no share to the world to come. Don't you know that? You're completely in cherem. Even if you show Shabbos, cannot be a part of the minyan. This is like taking your hand and slashing the Torah to pieces. What is this? There's the divine laws of Hashem. You put it in a garbage and you go by the laws of all these stupid people, the Turkish, the British, whoever made those laws. What is this? That shows that Hashem is nothing for you. Nothing for you. How can you go with a phony man-made law and put the divine laws on hold? 
or in a garbage. How? Shows that you nothing, you're not religious, it's all fake. So the, these judges have big problem. Even if they really try to be honest. I'm talk, I'm not talking a corrupted judge that take like most of them take bribes and all kinds of gifts. Forget it. The Torah says a judge he cannot receive a gift after the trial also, not only before, before it's bribe. But let's say you the judge and Reuven won the case against Shimon, because that's the truth. I'm talking religious court. A month later, Reuven sent you a donation to your yeshiva. Your judge, you also have a yeshiva, let's say. Sent you a donation. It's a judge, after seeing what a fair judge you are and how you're knowledgeable in the law and you made the right ruling, I want, I feel that I want to do something for your yeshiva, accept this check for that yeshiva, and Allah to take it. It's against the Torah to take it. Why? I, it won't affect my judgment in a case. The case is closed already. Because if later gift will be permitted, all the judges in their subconscious will always rule for the rich people because from them they can get a gift one day. There's a chance. From him, there's no chance to get a gift. But if I always gonna go for the wealthy people, there's a higher chance they send donation. That's the mind of a person. Since it's not allowed, what incentive I have to go to him? Anyway, I cannot accept anything from him. You understand the Torah? The Torah is very clever. So we're moving on. One other thing. In English, completely not egoistic. People cleaning the street, right away he takes his sleeves out and he begins to help them. People uh, moving chairs in a shul, he doesn't see it. He runs and helps. Uh, they need a sheva brachot, they need to cook. He tells his wife, participate, you also cook. Anything like this, which means when you see people doing something, he's running to help. No seba all, all means weight, heavy weight on your back, heavy weight. You see your friend is ho holding something heavy and you walk like this in the street in a hot day, what kind of Jew you are? Right, you have to run and take half of his weight on your back. Like this, none of you suffer. Half on you, half on him, none of you suffer, it's normal. Him with all the weight, he kills himself. So what are we talking here about? These guys that learn in yeshiva and they sleep in a dorm, you need to volunteer, to clean, to pick up the table, to do, to do dishes. Usually they run away. You take the garbage. It's your turn. I'm busy now. I don't feel good. Oh, before nobody runs away. No. The opposite it should be. You have to volunteer. You have to... This is called Noseba Olim Havero. Machreo Lekavzchut, always giving people the benefits of the doubt, not running to judge people, benefits of the doubt. What does it mean, benefits of the doubt? Not to everyone you're allowed to give benefits of the doubt. If a person is mechalel Shabbat all his life, and then you saw him on Shabbat getting into a car and driving, so somebody says, oh, this guy is mechalel Shabbat? Say, no, no, his wife needs to give birth today. And it's not mechalel Shabbat. What do you mean it's not? Eh, if you see him once in a blue moon getting into a car on Shabbat, it has to be a reason. He has to go to the hospital, something happened. Fine, he has high fever, no, okay. But if every Shabbat is Mechalel Shabbat, and one time you call him, what's to give him the benefits of the doubt? If someone is well known as the main thief in town, hundred times he got convicted in court for stealing, from robbing, and something, and he was in your house and something disappeared. There's other people. 
Not only you're not allowed to give him the benefits of the doubt, you have to decide right away he's guilty. If in the end it will be found that he wasn't him this time, somebody else did it, you are not guilty of judging him negative. You're not guilty. Why? That's the right thing to do. Why? He brought it to himself. <laughs> He's a well-known thief. <laughs> Everywhere he went, it's told. So right away you say to the police, they have a, you have a suspect, it's, it's him. For sure it's him. And usually it will be him. So, Kavzchut, only if the person has already a status of a kosher person. You understand? If he always walked with a keeper, and one day you saw him in a store without a keeper, you don't have to judge him that he left the religion. Maybe there's an incident over there. Maybe he doesn't want to do Chilul Hashem. Maybe he came to collect money. He doesn't want them to know he's a Jew. There's a lot of scenarios a person is allowed to take his keeper off. Why? Like if he's in a rush for Shabbat, Shabbat is in 10 minutes, and there's a huge traffic line on the way to the bridge, and he wants to pass everyone and cut them. If not, he's going to be on the highway all Shabbat. They have nowhere to rush, these goyim. Where are they rushing? To watch television? But him, it's an, it's an emergency for him. He has kids in a car, he's going away for Shabbat. What is he going to do? So what's the solution? Either he put a cap, a baseball cap, or something on his head, which is better. If he doesn't have, takes off his keeper and he cuts them, and he goes in, and then after the, he go, he's gone from the area, he puts it back on. It wasn't a sin to take it off. It was mandatory. Why? You want this going to see with a keeper cutting them like this? To make Hilul Hashem? Hilul Hashem, it's a serious sin. Or when a woman returns things to the department store. She used the mixer for six months. It's beginning to be not so brand new anymore. She knows their policies, they take everything back. If she's a single girl, or if she has a daughter, nobody sees she's Jewish. Just because she wears a skirt, not necessarily she's Jewish, there's no Hilul Hashem. Unless if her name is Cohen uh, or Levy or, or Goldman or anything like this, no, fine. But if she has just a name, they don't know the goyim, and the girl doesn't look anything Jewish, fine. So she returns it. That's their policy. I didn't do anything against their policy. They're willing to accept it. It's their problem. Change your policy. But if you come with a yarmulke or you cover your hair and they see you Jewish and you return it, that's a very big problem. Huh? What do you think this goyim think? Look at these Jews. They use it for six months, and now they're returning it. When they do it, they don't care. Fine. It's no problem. But when you do it, it burns them from inside. This is the anti-Semitism. This is in, in their genes. This is it. So the idea is to prevent Chilul Hashem. So no say, we say, Machriya Lekav Shchut, Ma'amido Ala Emet. Yes. But uh, it sounds like you can do this anywhere you can go. Is there like a limit when you, you shouldn't do that? I mean... Like I said, if they know you're a Jew, you gotta either send it with somebody else, or you have to find a way to do it. But if they if they see what you do, if you return it the next day, that's no problem. It's no chilul Hashem. You just didn't like it, and you return it. But if you use it for a while, and now you're returning it, you know it's not a hundred percent kosher. But like I said, in general, basically what this sounds like is that as long as you take off your kippah, you can do whatever you want. They're not going to know what this is. No, no. You can do whatever you want as long as it's not against the regulations. If you, if you broke it and you now want to return it, they won't accept it. So you come and tell them it came like this. This is stealing. You come in and, and say to them, oh, it's missing a part. Why? Because your son threw it in a bathroom and flushed the water. 
So you can tell them a story, it came like this, I don't know, defected, a missing part. They will, they will have to believe you, they cannot prove. So they take it back. This is stealing. If you broke it, you cannot return it. If it can broken, of course you can return it. This is it. Okay, so we continue on. So the next one, Ma'amido al-Aymet. If he see his friend does something wrong, right away he calls him to the side and whisper, he say what you did is wrong. It's not the halacha. It's, you have to do the opposite. You're not allowed to do it. You're allowed to do it. You have to do it this way. This is called ma'amido ala emet. Ma'amido ala shalom. Always, always, always go for the two options that you have, peace and war. Always do everything you can to end it up with peace in arguments, in money issues, in uh, uh, pride arguments, who's going to be right. Always try to finish it with peace. Searching for peace. This is the great things about Aaron Cohen, Oev Shalom, Rodef Shalom. Loves the peace, run after the peace. So the idea is to do everything you can for the peace, even if you have to compromise. Even if you have to lose, it's worth it. Shalom, Hashem loves Shalom. Same thing, Shalom Bayit, same thing. Mityashev libo betalmudo. What does it mean, mityashev libo betalmudo? When he learns, he learns peacefully, not running away. Telephone, no, I have an appointment. You see it. The world doesn't exist now. I have to say till two hours. I don't care about business. I I pull off my cell phone. Nobody can reach me when I'm learning. I don't care the story's burning. I'm not there. I'm dead right now. For two hours, I'm dead. 10 o'clock, I finish learning, I want to go to the business now, now I'm back to life. Why? Because if you're always on a standby that to get a call from here, from your wife, from here, from the office, from the customers, the learning will never get you anywhere. Because you're really here, but you're there. Your mind is there. That's the Gemara that uh, the rabbi taught, Rabbi Freda taught his student 400 times every day, the page of Gemara. 400 times. One time he came, he said, Rabbi, he said to his student, today I'm in a rush, I have a meeting in the afternoon, I have to make it, business meeting. Please, today, try to understand faster. So by the time they finished 400 times, you see, he still didn't understand. Not only he didn't understand faster, what he normally understand every day, today he didn't get it. So he told him, at least you would learn like every day. Why today you learn worse than every day? So he told him, I tell you the truth, Rabbi, from the minute you told me today, try to understand fast, I was so nervous not to let you down, that I couldn't focus. So the Gemara said, now he has to go to a business meeting. He said, okay, forget about the business meeting. Let's start all from the beginning. And he taught him 400 times extra from the beginning. So the Gemara said that Hashem said, ask him what he wants, to live to 400 years old, measure for measure, or that he's going to get Olam Abba guarantee right now. He can't lose it. <laughs> Imagine you have a card in your pocket, guarantee, VIP, Olam Abba. This is it. So you see that when the minds of a student is somewhere else, the learning is not learning. He couldn't focus because he's thinking, oh, business, business. Okay, now, Shoel Umeshiv, Shomea Umosif. Let's see what it means. Shoel Umeshiv is not asking nonsense, asking to the point, not to attract attention. In the lecture, 
you have two kinds of people who ask questions. People who really ask questions because they, they, they want to know the truth, because they want to do the right thing. And people who ask because they already decided before he opened his mouth, the speaker, that I have to ask few questions here to attract attention. Sometimes it's to be on a video in those lectures that they film the crowd. So he wants to be on a video. Sometimes he wants the girls to pay attention to him that he's smart. You know, one rabbi in yeshiva, he was giving a shiur for all the guys in yeshiva, and one kid got up and asked him a question. So the rabbi thought, thought, thought for a minute. He said, you know, you're right. I have to cancel my whole shiur. Forget everything we learned. His kushia is very strong. Let's start something else. He bought a different book and started to learn a different subject. When the shiur end, all the students came to him. So, Rabbi, this is a retarded question. It's not a question. <laughs> you, you don't know the answer to this question? We all know it. We heard it from you. He said, of course I know. So, so why you say that it's a big question? He said, this guy, since you know him, that is in our yeshiva, did he ever ask a question? They think, say, right, he never asked questions. Why all of a sudden today he asks so many questions in a shiur three or four times? As soon as he raised his hand, I said, something is fishier, because this guy never asks questions. I looked from the window, and I saw a man standing over there and looking inside the yeshiva. And when this guy started to ask questions, I put one and one together. He's probably dating his daughter, and that guy came to check about him, if he's good in yeshiva. You know, because in the old days at least, even today by the religious people, when they choose a husband to your daughter, number one criteria, how much Torah he knows, tamid chacham or ignorant. From, based on that, they make the decision. If I would answer, yeah, your question is retarded, the shiduch is off. <laughs> I had to make it look like it's such an important thing to help him in the shiduch. <laughs> you understand? You know, I told you once the story with Rav Shach, no? That's the best. You should see what a gadol be Israel. Not only knows Torah, Torah, Torah. Living according to the Torah. That's the hard part. One time Rav Shach comes to the yeshiva in Ponovich. He said, where is this guy? Where is this guy? He looks for the guy. One guy in yeshiva, young learner. So what happened? What happened? He said, oh, he's over there, learning over there. He comes to the guy. He says, Shmuli. Yes, Rabbi. He got nervous. I have a kashia all morning. I cannot find the answer to it. I'm sure you're going to be the one who tell me the answer. I'm learning this Gemara, and I know there's Rabbi Akiva Eager that says something about it. Where is it? Where is it? So this guy said, Rabbi, here, I show it to you. He comes, he goes, he brings the Gemara. I say, here, this is what Rabbi, Rabbi Akiva Eager saying it here, right here, in this page. So ah, you saved me, I'm breaking my head all day. Thank you, thank you, Ishar Korach, thank you. And he goes out. Now the guys in the yeshiva, they're not dumb, you know. So, the Rosh Yeshiva doesn't know this, come on. What's, what happened here? So one of them went to him, to his office, lunch break. So Rabbi, what was this all about? You fooled you fool them, but you, you didn't fool me. What was this whole show? So he says to him, since you're clever, I'll tell you. This guy was dating a girl, and he loved her very much. And she also liked him. Everything was looked that they're going to close. And the last minute, she changed her mind, and she broke the shiduch. 
and, and his roommate told me that he's broken for the last two weeks, he's crying in bed, he's killing himself for this shiduch that he lost. And he's depressed. So I asked his roommate what Gemara he learns now in these days. So he told me this Gemara with Rabbi Akiva Iger in this page. So I came, I pretend that I forgot that Rabbi Akiva Iger, because I knew he's going to give me the answer. The rumor, more than 2,000 students around, they're all going to start talking. You hear what happened? The Rosh Yeshiva came to ask this guy a question today. That means he's a real big shot. Right away, the rumor went all over Bnei Brak. Two weeks later, he had a better shiduch than the other one, and he got married. You understand what a, a kosher Jew is? Not only a nice beard. Actions. That's what I say always to people. Actions, action, no action, no nothing. Your account is empty. So, 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 Shoel, don't waste time. Ask only when it's necessary. Usually, most questions, they're, been, they're answered by the end of the shiur, usually. If you really pay attention, if people would hold their question another 10 minutes, usually, they're always going to get the answer. <laughs> but it's like this urge that I must ask. So Shoel Umeshiv, ask and answer to the point, not wasting time. And no mekashkesh. You know what's mekashkesh? Like scramble egg. It's like me when I went to school. We had in Israel you have bagrut. You know what bagrut? When you finish 12th grade, they go. You get tested on every uh, subject. So they have sifrut. You know what sifrut in Israel? All these novels, uh, Shakespeare, Abagurio, all this nonsense that doesn't worth a penny. Yeah, so now they have to test me if I, get a, if I, if I passed or not. I, never, I could never stand all this nonsense. So I decided I'm going to confuse my teacher. <laughs> what am I going to do? I, run, I write so much baloney and pretend that I'm an expert in sifrut, Something I got to get out of him. Usually it's work, because he sees so much, he doesn't have patience to read. He says, instead of ten points on that question, let me, let me give him seven. Usually it works, but his teacher was good. So he, he sent me the he put zero big, and he wrote, next time don't waste my time, chutzpan. <laughs> <laughs> he got the point. Mekashkesh, Mekashkesh, all this nonsense. Come on, just write, I don't know. That's it. Okay, so that's Shoel Umeshiv. Shomea Umosif. When people talk, you listen, you don't break into the words. Shomea Umosif. After they finished, then if there's something to add, you add. Not before they finish. That's normal, we know that. That's common sense. Learning and not being egoistic, which means I learn and I want right away to share my knowledge with others. That's very good. The Gemara says, Abaye and Rava, Rav, Rav, Rava, can, they were Chevruta. Almost in every page in the Talmud, their name is mentioned. Not that many people know that Rava lived 40 years only. That's it, 40 years. And Abaye lived 60 years. The Gemara asked, they learned all the time together, they were more or less the same level. Why he lived 40 and he lived 60? 
So the Gemara says, because Abaye learned Torah and also did Gmilut Hasadim. And Rava only learned Torah. So the Gemara asks, if any, it should be the other way around. <laughs> so he should have lived 60 and he, what's better, Torah or Gmilut Hasadim? Torah is much better than Gmilut Hasadim. Go bringing food to a poor family now and wasting an hour of your time on that and learning an hour Torah instead. What's better? Of course learning Torah. What's to compare Bechlal? Where, where do we know that it's better? Every day in the prayer we read the Mishnah. אלו דברים שאדם עושה אותם בעולם הזה, אוכל מפירותיהם בעולם הזה, והקרן קיימת לו לעולם הבא. This is the mitzvot that a person does in this life. He eats from the fruit a little bit in this world, and the principle, the קרן, the main reward, is waiting for him for the, for the next life. And they start reading the list, right? So, making peace between husband and wife, uh, waking up people to shul, uh, visiting the sick, bringing guests to his house. All the list is chesed, kindness and mercy, helping others, helping, helping, helping. And in the end, learning Torah is greater than all of them together. It's no argument. Says all Adam, everything a person has together will never be equal to the Torah that he has. Can't even compare. So how come a buyer lived longer? He should live less. Rabbi should be more. It was only Torah. He didn't go to do other things. So the answer is no. It's not the Chesed that we think he did. What was his Chesed? There was one Rabbi that he forgot. He had uh, what we call today Alzheimer or something like that. And he forgot all his Torah. So Abaye, everybody, all his students left him. Why do they need him? He cannot teach them one halacha. He doesn't remember anything. It's blackout. Everybody left him, and he's the only one who is to come and read with him things. And that rabbi, which was a giant in his time, he used to say, oh, this is new. I didn't know that. Everything he was reading to him, oh, this is new. This is new. So even his chesed was Torah. So the conclusion is, of course he was doing learning Torah. Chesed that he did was, was teaching other Torah, not going to deal with food and other things. No. Torah, even the Chesed is Torah. Because there's three different kinds of generous people. In Orchot Tzadikim, it's a very good Musar book, Orchot Tzadikim, the way of the righteous people. So there is one chapter, it's called Nedivut, generosity. So they give three different kinds of generous people. Generous people with their money, generous people with their body, they volunteer, they pick up things, they carry, they tomche Shabbos, they don't have the money, but they do the job, they're driving. And chesed by teaching other Torah. And they say, which one is by far more important generosity? Teaching other Torah, that's real generosity, right? You give him money, he benefits from your money a day or two. Money is gone, the chesed is over. Using your body to help, one or two hours, chesed is over. Teaching him Torah, it stays for eternity, it brings him to eternity. It's, it's never over. He's going to use it, he's going to teach to his kids, to his friends, he's going to say it on Shulchan Shabbat. It's a chesed that, even though you've gone back to your place, this chesed continues forever. That's why it's the most important generosity. So, uh, so Alomed, Al menat le learning to teach, 
הלומד על מנת לעשות, learning, knowing everything I learned new that I did not know until today, as soon as I find out, I begin to do. Now, I'm not learning to be a professor for Torah. When I was in school, I had a teacher for Torah. He knew a lot of Torah. I mean, the Nevi'im, the prophets, he learns Torah all his life. That's his profession. He's a teacher. He didn't keep one mitzvah, worse than a goy. Just to learn to be a recorder, and, you know, it's like a recording machine. And not doing, <laughs> what's the point? So that's, that's, that's how they destroy Judaism in Israel. They teach Tanakh, Bible. Women with tight jeans, red lipstick, all kinds of makeup, very not modest clothes, come to teach Torah, and they teach it like Shakespeare. It's like another novel. And the kids grow up, poor kids, with all this garbage inside. So that's why when people come to me and say, oh, my father doesn't like me to listen to your lectures. I say, why? I say, he say that you're brainwashing me. And you made me religious, but you, it's like a brainwash. So he is expecting me to say, no, God forbid, it's not brainwashed. So I say, your father is right. I really did brainwash you. I wash your brain from all the garbage he put in. All the garbage that your father put in your head in the last 20 years, or the teachers, now I have a very difficult job to wash it, to get it out of your head, to put some holy things inside. Real things, not garbage. This is it. Yeah? It's called Shifat Moach. You have to wash the brain from all the garbage. If you keep the garbage there and you bring pure Torah in, it gets mixed. It's like having a bucket with some burned oil inside. Now you want to put pure water inside. The water will be black. Even though it's 95% water and only 5% burned oil or ink, whatever it is, it's all become black. You put pure things into a tool that is full of dirt, That's why the Chachamim say, first sur mera, v'achar kach asetov. Sur mera, v'asetov. Remove yourself of the bad, and then you begin to do good. Or, asur lelamet almit she'eno agun. You're not allowed to teach in yeshiva a person, Torah, Gemara, Halacha, to a non-decent person. So first you have to invest time to make him decent. How you make him decent? You teach him Musar, ethics. Ethics, Musar, you make him a better person. Once you become a better person, you begin to teach him Gemara. Well, when he's rotten, you teach him Gemara. It's dangerous. It's not so simple. So, he's learning because he wants to keep. Amachim et Rabo is always challenging his rabbi and makes the rabbi better than, and better and better. Amekavenet Shmuato. What does it mean, Mekavenet Shmuato? שמעמיק להבין כוונת הדברים, is not understanding generally, like most people do. He is interested to understand all the way to the root of the things. Not general knowledge is not good enough for me. I want to know all the details, where it started, to the bottom of it. One guy told me, I'm not interested to learn Gemara. Yeah, it's interesting, but it's not for me. I said, why? So why do I need to know how they came up with this halacha, all the arguments? Just teach me the halacha. That's not what Hashem wants. Hashem wants you to know all the sides, all from here, from here, this possible, this possible, why they decided like this, why not like this. If this guy is also right, he wants you to go to the bottom of things. In general, in life, when you learn with the roots, 
you never forget. When you only learn the results, you forget right away. Check, try. If you learn the halakha from Shulchan Aruch with all the Rambam, the Mfarshim, from all arguments, you never forget the halakha. If you just take the Kitsur Shulchan Aruch, you can do this, you cannot do this. Every month you have to repeat it because you forget. And it's different, you know. So, so always go deeper as much as possible. Give credit, give credit to the people who he learned it from. Let's see, he learned halacha from one rabbi in shul yesterday. He comes to his house and said to the guest, he has to say, I heard it in the name of that rabbi. Not to take credit for himself. You understand? So that, that's why, because Amevi Davar B'Shem Omro, Amevi Geula La'olam. He brings salvation to the world by giving the credit to the people who deserve the credit. Sheneemar Vatomer Esther Lamelech B'Shem Mordechai. Esther came to the king Achashverosh. She told him everything she told him in the name of Mordechai. She didn't take the credit for herself. She said, I'm telling you in the name of Mordechai. Mordechai, the Jew, a Yehudi. And this is it. Now we'll finish with one story about this. Just that you know, we did today only one Mishnah. But very long one. It's many different subjects in it. So it could be that we won't be able to finish next week. Maybe in Aseret Yemet Shuvah we'll finish. But just speaking about saying something in the name of somebody else and giving him the credit, I once told you maybe the story, maybe not here. He used to be a rabbi that was very, very poor. His name was the Shagat Aryeh. That's his title. Shagat Aryeh means the roaring of the lion, which means he's a giant in Torah, a hero. He knows everything. Very, very sharp person. But he was so poor, he couldn't even afford shoes. When people were poor in the old days, believe me, ooh, it's real poverty. So one time he went to a town. They were walking a lot with their feet, so he arrived to a town. And he has to stay there for Shabbos on his journey. So how it used to be, you come to the shul, by the end of the Friday night prayers, the gabai of the shul see people that don't have where to go to sleep or to eat. So they invite them, they give them to families. Okay, because remember, it wasn't like today, you have telephone, you make phone calls, you arrange everything in advance. No telephone. Life without a telephone is much, much more difficult. You go there, you have to find the gabai, and have, has really, everything has to be when everyone is present. And that's the only way, to come to shul, and, and they find you a place to sleep and to eat. So he say, okay, you, you're going with the rabbi today. You're going to eat by the rabbi and sleep in his house. So he comes, so then the rabbi is eating in his house. The rabbi told him to the guest, please say Dvar Torah. So he said beautiful Dvar Torah, and in the end he didn't say where he learned it from. No credit to anybody. The rabbi knows from what book he brought it. So the rabbi said, look at this guy, chutzpah. He gives me this whole Dvar Torah. It's in this book. And he doesn't give a credit for that rabbi. I'll test him again tomorrow morning. Maybe today he forgot. We'll see again tomorrow. Next morning, no, maybe you tell us another beautiful Dvar Torah like yesterday. He gives a beautiful speech. Again, no credit for the rabbi where he learned it from. From the same book. Then he said, I'll give him one last chance, and if he's going to do the same thing, I'm going to... <laughs> so that's Lishit before Shabbos is over. He says, no, maybe you give us another Torah, another beautiful speech from the same book, 
free divrei Torah, everything from the same book, not one credit for the rabbi who wrote the book. The rabbi bang on the table, so I can't take this anymore. Three speeches you gave, all from the same book, not one word for the rabbi where you learned it from. Don't you know the Mishnah in Pirkei Avot? It says you have to say it in the name of the person to bring salvation to the world. He seems to know Torah. Don't you know that? Wait, don't move. Let me show you where it is. He comes, he brings a beautiful book, all beautiful letters, nice print. He opens it. You see what you said yesterday? Here, word by word. What you said this morning? Right here, word by word. Word by word, you learned it by heart. What you say now? Right here, word by word. And you didn't give any credit to the Shagat Aryeh. So the poor man started to have tears. He said, In the books I look so much better than my real life. <laughs> look how nice they cover me with leather. <laughs> so that rabbi realized just what happened. He's the Shagat Aryeh. He didn't know. <laughs> this is my book. They printed all my divrei Torah. So the rabbi kissed his hand, forgive me. Ah. So no, no, you just saved me. That I see in my life, look at me, I don't have a piece of bread. But in what's really important, look what a beautiful, nice, beautiful book. Remember in the old days, to write books wasn't like today. You come, you pay 20 bucks, you have everything printed, smells great. Ah, it used to be either printing manually, you know, taking, a, taking Aleph, pressing with ink, go like this, then taking bed, then they made a primitive machine that they have to, to, to press manually, like typing machine, but much harder. And today there's computer, the computer does everything. But in the old days, only the rabbi of the town had books. Nobody could afford books. That's why they know everything by heart. Mordechai Sharabi was a big mekubal until 20 years ago in Israel. He came from Yaman, they poor in Yaman, they didn't have what they have to do, because everything in Yaman was manually, they wrote. The Gemara even was on a scroll, like a Sefer Torah. So when he came to teach Gemara to his student, he knew the pages by heart. They had Gemarot, and he was sitting without the Gemara and saying the whole thing by heart. You understand? When, when you don't have the books, you must learn by heart. Rav Ovadia Yosef and Rav Benzion Abba Shaul used to be Hevruta. Rav Benzion passed away like 12 years ago. And Rav Ovadia, when they were kids, they used to be Hevruta. So each one of them is a specialist in something. What? Rav Ovadia is a computer. He knows everything by heart. He, remember, he has a photographic memory. Rav Benzion is going drilling deep inside, going deeper and deeper, very, a brain like a computer. So they used to walk. They, 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 uh, Rav Benzion was very poor. Rav Ovadia was also poor, but his father had a little grocery store. So he could afford to give him money for the bus. Talking seven years before Israel was a state in Yerushalayim. So Avovadia used to give him money to go back and forth every day to the yeshiva with the bus. So in the morning, both of them used to go with the bus. He used to give half of his money to him, that they can both sit on a bus and learn in a bus. And the way back, they walked together for an hour. So when they were walking, you can't walk like this and hold a big marot. Remember, it was very difficult. The marot used to be very big. So Rav Ovadia knew the whole pages by heart. 
He was saying first the page, and then Rabbi Zion began to attack. So this is the best years of their life. He used to walk and say the pages by heart, and he begins, what are these questions, blah, blah. That's how they used to learn. They know by heart. Once one person came to Avovadi, I said, Rabbi, they say that you know the whole Torah by heart. I said, ah, don't exaggerate. Only half. I said, which one, Rabbi, which half? He said, whichever one you want. <laughs> All right, thank you very much. We'll see you next Monday for the last lecture of the year here. Uh, two days before Rosh Hashanah. Monday night, next week. Thank you. Call to...